All right, we are here at the pre-show. Hi, everybody. Joining us today is my good friend Megan. Hi, Megan. Hello. How are you? Good. It's good that you could come. Thank you for having me. So, how did this come up? Because it's funny because I've known Damien for forever. Yes, Megan is is married to my good and friend he's Damien. never yeah. been on the show, or you know, and, and then like the Greg's random. like Greg's like Megan's coming up next week. I'm like, okay, the is, wife, the random is Damien wife. coming to. <laughs> Yeah, just the random wife. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, I've asked Amy to go on a bunch of times. Really? And he just never really seemed to want to do it. And so I just think it's like, I don't know, privacy thing. I don't know. Really? So, but I was like, you know what? Megan would be great on the show. <laughs> Bless your heart. Let's see. Thank you. We so, shall see. Oh, shit. Sorry. This is uh, Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. As you can see, really, really hazy. It's from New Belgium. Mm. Um. As opposed to old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they're in, where are they? Um, they're in Fort they're Collins. In Fort Collins, Colorado. So no Belgium involved. Well, it, it, it was a Belgian guy who started the brewery, right? No. 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 Okay. Never mind. So if I created a beer, I could say it was uh, Irish? You could call it whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Work? Okay. okay. Work just make sure it's not already trademarked. <laughs> yeah. There are some crazy names for stuff out there. Uh, what was the one? Um, Isn't that like a dead man? Like dead man. Well, yeah, dead guy L from dead Rogue. Guy. Yeah, I know people that use that at funerals. Strictly, okay. no joke. <laughs> they actually drink that at funerals. That was a panty age. dropper or something? Oh my god, seriously? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Frats <laughs> might not want to use that. That might be a little dangerous. Yeah, there's more and more um, push like. In crowd, like with the whole as society is going, right? There's less and less tolerance for these frat boy right. um, beer names, brewery things, and bro culture. So, like <laughs> over the last year and a half, two years, you've seen more and more where you know the beers like Penny Dropper or whatnot is kind of getting a, a sour taste. It's getting more yeah. and more that way. Yeah, there, there's well, there's also so much. I mean, it's such a the industry has grown so oh much God, since yeah. we started. So. There's so many opportunities out there that crass doesn't sell. So there's not going to be a Weinstein beer? Like a Harvey Weinstein? Oh, boy. <laughs> that would be interesting. Hashtag me too. Beer, yeah, oh, oh, yeah. I, I would not be surprised if, if I mean, someone is doing that. 5,000 breweries <laughs> in the country, like, someone has to be doing someone that. Someone must be at this point. Well, there are a bunch of women-owned breweries, so maybe one yeah. of them. That'd be kind of cool, actually. I'm trying to think if I've... I, I, I heard recently of some benefit thing. I'm trying to think if it was Me Too or not. I don't think it was, though. Or like Time's Up or... Oh, I'm thinking of Sonoma Pride. So, uh, you know, there's those wildfires in Sonoma Mm -hmm. County, right? Um, There's a really rock star called brewery out there called Russian River. And what they did is they made a beer called Sonoma Pride. And all the proceeds are going back into Sonoma County for recovering from the fire. But they're also allowing other breweries all across the country to market beer as Sonoma Pride as long as they give proceeds back to the recovery efforts. That's awesome. Cool. That's a really good idea. Does that include like Budweiser if they want to do that? If they wanted to. That's cool. Yeah, open up to everybody. It'd be nice if the, the big guys actually help the smaller guys. They, they, it's not that they they never do. It's that there's kind of an animosity between the groups now that that, uh, that makes sense. is hurting is hurting them. Budweiser has a fair bit of social help and philanthropy and stuff like that. Like you know, whenever there's a disaster, they'll can water. 
The what? Can. Oh, really? They'll, they'll, stop, they, they'll stop canning beer. I feel like I've heard and that. And they'll can water and then ship water to the disaster area. They do th- that all the time. I think so. I heard about that with hurricanes, with some mm-hmm. of the hurricane yep. stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when microbrews and stuff were not around. My sister lived in Portland, Oregon in like the late 90s. And there, Portland, Oregon had a ton mm-hmm. of microbrews. And I got snockered on like peach beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, never again have I had peach beer. But back uh, there, in, I got a peach beer in the fridge. You, you want to you <laughs> no, go back to your no, old day? No, thanks. I don't need to pretend I'm 21 <laughs> again. But it was... I, it was so rare, and so in, in Portland, Oregon, that was like where every, that's what everyone drank. You didn't, you couldn't order mm-hmm. something that was more mainstream. Everything was there had to have been at least ten microbrewers. I don't know if there. you know this, but Portland has more breweries per capita than anywhere else in the world. Huh, see, look at that. I did not know that. Hmm, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. <laughs> well, they were definitely booming back then. Yep. Yeah, they were booming before the rest of the industry was. Yeah, was, they were definitely know, that whole. Like, uh, ground zeros for, for yeah. where this came from. Yeah, the whole Northwest, that was uh, always kind of happening up there. Mm-hmm. I miss Seattle. I've only been there once, and it was amazing. Oh, my God. I just kept looking for Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Eddie Better has to be around here somewhere. I know he is. Stone Gossip, where are you? Yeah, so have you tried the beer? I was waiting. I didn't know if we were allowed to Oh, yeah, beer. but you're allowed to do whatever you want. <laughs> it smells super hoppy. Is it really hoppy? It's hoppy, but not in a bitter way. So I think you're going to taste a lot of fruits. And like fruit juices. This is good. I'm not a fan of um, hoppy beer, and mm-hmm. this is something I would actually drink. Yeah, this is the new kind of wave of IPA, the, the, the so called Northeast IPAs, where the hops are much, the hops are there, a lot of hops, mm-hmm. uh, but they're much less like bitter on the tongue, and mm-hmm. they're much more fruity in terms of the dimensions that they're giving you. And they go into tropical areas and things mm-hmm. like that. Ooh la la. Yeah. Yeah, because there's back you know, back in the day when I, when I used to drink beer more often, the IPAs were like, like yeah. it kind of hit me as soon as I drink yes. it. I'd be like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. yeah there, there's there's a couple things going on there. I think you know. Yes, they were more aggressive and more bitter tasting, mm-hmm. but also you no, know, as you know, uh, you know, as you've matured, you probably drink more coffee, you're drinking more, things like that. Oh, yeah. So you're getting more used to bitter flavors first off. Yeah. You've been drinking craft beers Not some degree that, for... I, should, I want to add, you're getting older and so your your tongue is less sensitive to those flavors yeah. as well. Yeah, your tastes are better probably, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. <laughs> somewhat and, and you've been somewhat drink- classier, yeah. slightly. You, you've been drinking craft beer, you know, for some degree for the last 15 years. Right, I'm not drinking... And so you know. you're getting more used to the flavors in general. So... These kinds of IPAs that are less apparently bitter, they help. But I think if you had kind of the same IPA now that you had back then, you probably wouldn't think it's as aggressive, as bitter yeah. than it, you did back then. Because depends on the IPA. I mean, if it was like Stone. I think there's, bastard, there's, there's then... still ones that are best aggressive and bitter, but you know, uh, something like Stone IPA probably doesn't seem as crazy as it did. You know, two thousand five. I mean, that's something you'd have to test. I, I you know. yeah. How with a time machine? <laughs> no, you could. You, you would take it to people who, you know, and, and just see what what their general perceptions are. Because it's yeah. about you're, you're talking about general perceptions, not okay. like something you can put right. on, on a graph. So sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you're talking to somebody who drank Milwaukee's Best Light in college. So, like, you know, Miller Light was a big date. Like, if we were drinking Miller Light, it was like, woo, we're spending lots of money. So, you know, your beer. <laughs> I used to buy cases of Newcastle. Okay. Yeah. Because in college, it was like 20 mm-hmm. bucks a keg, like 25 mm-hmm. bucks a keg. So, you know, you did what you could back mm-hmm. then. So, sure. you know, my taste buds have changed quite. Yeah, yeah. yeah quite. Hopefully. 
So I told you to watch American Vandal. God, it's so funny. Yeah. And Jeff, I, I got him to rewatch it because he's... Yeah. So I watched the first three episodes. I, I only watched the first and, two. And I watched it blind. So I didn't know it was a satire. I didn't really know either at first because I didn't really... I read your text, but I didn't... I missed the part that it was a satire. And then in like episodes two and three, it just got so over the top. <laughs> like it just seemed juvenile. Well, I mean, it was yeah. sure, it's, sure it's it's set up to be made by a high school kid, but it was just like once I, that it became obvious that it was a satire, and then it just like extra over the top. And then I stopped watching it, and then Greg's like, "No, you got to go back." And then like episode four was like it started it put reining it in and starting to you know actually get smart about it so okay because i'll still yeah. watch it but i i thought it was funny it was the second episode i just thought i it's, when i was watching the second episode i thought okay technically you guys could have done this all in one episode mm-hmm. and just made it longer right um but i still just thought it was so funny and so crazy. was everything with the american crimes yeah yeah with because i'm i'm still recording like the gianni versace one which i don't really know why i'm watching that but the oj one was amazing i heard it was really good i haven't I, seen it it was amazing and i absolutely loved it and i i remember every bit of it growing up i remember mm. i was in high school as a senior in high school i remember all of it i'm david schwimmer yeah, I, yeah he was actually really good <laughs> they were all so good in it i mean they they won every every award that they won they earned mm. they were really really good and um i i, I love all of that crime stuff i really do I'm, I'm horrible at it like i love i'm horrible i love it my husband makes fun of me for it all the time he was like dun dun he's like why do you always have to watch law and order it's the same premise every episode i'm like because i love me some law and order svu i can't help it and so i have to Say it Can't was just, get enough iced tea. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love who you wrote like you know, cop killer is now playing a cop. Um, I just, I, I thought it was really creative and funny. It's not to, personal; to, it's business. It's, yeah, I just thought, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just thought it was so funny how they did that. That shit, like I thought it was so creative to do like something so stupid. Right. It, you know what I mean? But it was, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just thought it was creative. I, I don't know how you found it. I, I, I guess I don't watch a lot of Netflix, so I don't... It was a bunch of reviews saying that it was really good, and, and, gotcha. and that, that's what led me, led me to watch it. But the only experience I really have with the true, with the real like true kind of genre that it's really parodying is Serial, when when that came out. Serial? Uh, the podcast? Oh, no, I've never listened to it. Uh, I'm really bad at that stuff. But it follows a lot of the track of, of Serial, the, the, with I, I assume some stuff from like Making of a Murder and the Jinx, which I didn't watch, but those were on oh, yeah. HBO and Netflix. I did. I saw were, parts of yeah. that, and so they had the visual flair, and they're doing all this stuff, you know, with the voiceover. And oh, with, so funny! And the yarn, right? And yeah, they're making the- <laughs> and they're treating this, you know, this case as if it is a life or death case, yes. and it's and it's, it's the silliest thing in the world. Yes, it's all about dicks, and yeah. what. Yeah, what amazed me about it is that it feels like, like you said, at the first two episodes, maybe the first three episodes, it feels like this is, okay, this is kind of disposable. I see what you're doing, but couldn't you do this in, in a in a 20-minute parody on Funny or Die, right? It gets deep into both, into a bunch of things, into high school culture, into these characters, into... Almost a metacriticism of the genre itself. Oh my gosh, yeah, because they can spin it. Yeah, and I, it, I think it ends in an almost profound way that shocked me coming in because mm-hmm. you think I was just dumb and silly, and it stays very funny and silly throughout. But then it, 
has this kind of poignant end where it says something, and it's, and that was kind of the the big the, the the thing that nailed it down is something that really I need to tell everybody to watch this right. because it was so good because it was like that was the point once it was over it's like wow this was not just some silly thing that I was really enjoying because it had dicks in it yeah. <laughs> because it was making fun of it but because so, it's saying something it, it kind of gets when, when Serial was being released you know it was a weekly serialized podcast and it was about this uh, kid who was convicted of murder when he was a teenager and it got to a point where as they were getting put out and like public Weekly. opinion public mm-hmm. opinion on what had been put out was feeding back into what was actually happening with this person you know mm-hmm. and and so you and start what was happening with the show itself and, and what was happening with the show itself and you start you definitely they, they start that's an element they pull into uh, american vandal so well it's interesting how we as a society feed into stuff and we, it's like it's just a vicious circle so, so mm-hmm. you can really alter everyone's reality is different. Your truth is your reality. So, you know, everyone has a different version of the truth. And, but when it starts to affect someone else's existence, it can get really, really dangerous. And I'm, I'm shocked at the amount of people who are willing to go on Dateline in 2020 and do those stories. And that's why, you know, people in the past with certain stories in my family and stuff will not do that because you don't know how they're going to twist things around. And you just don't, you just don't, you, when you give that sort of thing up to a a news show like that, you're waiving all of your rights, essentially. It's almost like not, I don't mean to compare this to something as ridiculous as this, but like those reality shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and all that. Oh, yeah. I I will totally admit, I love The Bachelor. Okay. I totally do. (laughs) It's a train wreck. But it's like, it's everybody, there's always one girl who's labeled the bitch. And I'm sure she didn't go in there being like, I'm going to be the bitch. She probably said like a couple things and then they snip it on camera and they're like, okay, we're going to make her the bitch. Mm -hmm. And then when the girls are complaining about her, which I'm sure they've complained about each other in every other, you know, confession, they snip it all. And so then you're, you know, nine months later or whatever, you're watching the show and you're like, wow, um, I wasn't expecting to be played (laughs) as the, you know, horrible. Like everybody has a role to fill. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how MTV's um, real world got ruined. It got completely ruined. Like the first three seasons were fabulous. And then all of a sudden it becomes sex and hot tub and it was completely ruined. But the first three seasons were awesome. because The the editors are playing the role of writers. Yes. And they are basically, yeah, they're tailoring the reality you see to, to make a story out of it. It because life doesn't contain you know so the quickly. easy stories that that, right. that we like that we like to consume. Yeah. But if you edit it down and you you take you know twenty four hour footage and put it into seven minutes, you can find yes. threads yes. that then can make a huge impact on the audience, mm-hmm. and they're going to keep watching. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the TV show Unreal? Yeah, yes. I'm not. A li- I'm not a lifetimer. I'm not. A, that was my parody. That was like a parody. Yes, of, of it's amazing. Yeah. A, a former um, production assistant on The Bachelor created the show called mm-hmm. Unreal, and it's based on The Bachelor essentially, but it's a completely different show. The name and everything, and it is basically the behind the scenes. Okay. It's about the lives of the people who are the producers and stuff, and how they just are so whacked, and how they just <laughs> like how they kind of create scenarios. For things to happen, so it looks good on TV. Did you ever see the Joe Schmo show? No, that's a different spin on it. It's a different Joe spin. Show. So right. this was the peak of reality TV. This mm-hmm. comes out, and it was on Spike or something like that. But it was one dude on the show thought he was on a reality show. 
everyone else was actors. So it was like the Truman Show. <gasps> oh, yes. I, oh, my God. I always think about the Truman Show whenever I'm alone in a car and if I'm doing something, I'm like scratching my head. I'm like, I wonder if anyone's watching me. Yeah. Oh, what but a no. great premise. So, but, you know, yeah. The, <gasps> so everyone had a role to play, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, but they were like so over the top. And the, the first dude on the Joe Schmo Show was from Pittsburgh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, the poor bastard! How do they react when they find out? Well, I mean, are they pissed? Well, you're, you're surrounded by a reality, so you don't, so you, you accept it. I mean, one of, one of the interesting things about the Joe Schmo show is that they, you know, they're taking what you're talking about with the, with the ending, and they're twisting it in a way so that these actors are now playing these over the top characters. They're, that you they're would already find they're playing the edited role, role right? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so but twenty four seven. So oh so they, I mean. And you're surrounded by reality long enough, you start to believe it. Oh my so, gosh, yeah. It's like Big Brother. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the, the, the first guy, he was kind of a dim. I mean, he wasn't exactly the, the smartest, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because the, then he did another season, and, and there was a girl, there were two, there was a guy and a girl, and the girl, you know, saw through it. Like, in, oh, really? in like she two or three episodes, she was like, this is too ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and then she was just, and then they they brought her in on on the thing. Oh, they did. So <laughs> yeah. if you, they if so if the contestant or whatever busts it, they don't obviously they well, don't. In, end in it. the first season, there was only one contestant. Right. In because the he... second season, there was a a couple. Well, they weren't together, but a, a man and a woman. So there's still a story. Right. There's still you know a mark even after the first one found out. Yeah. Wow. But it it is That's it was cool. funny to see that kind of that take on it, which is have these you know, improv actors essentially play. <laughs> these over the top versions that you so get. Fun. From, yeah. What a fun job. I would Kristen Wiig was on that first season. Wasn't was she? she? Yeah. The first <gasps> Joe Snow Show season. Oh my God. That would have been amazing. Love she was it. Dr. Pat. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. So that must have been hilarious. I'm just to... yeah, it was. It was really. It, it, it must have been a crazy. I mean, so you're an improv actor or whatnot, but you're it's a twenty four seven role. Exhausting. You know. Mm-hmm. So there was a couple times where they thought that Joe, I forget what his real name was, but you know, the Mark was somewhere else in a different room. So they're out of character, and he kind of walks in on them, you know, and that kind of thing. So, and they have to get back into character real fast. They're like Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, they have to be like in character all the time. <laughs> Call me Lincoln. <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it looked like it was a very fun show to be to work on. Yeah, I mean, that kind of environment, and and then you're then there's also this sort of uh, this this teetering on the edge thing because you never know if it, if it's going to if you're being too over the top to get the one you know when it was just one guy right that's always the, the question will if he what what's the story if he figures it out where does it get uncanny right yeah. Oh. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good show. Um, I mean, I don't know how it would take now because it was like ten years ago, and mm-hmm. reality shows are so much different, and so much slicker in how they're done. Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> I can't believe some shows are still on. I can't believe Survivor's still oh, on. God, yeah. Big Brother's still on. The Bachelor. They still keep finding people to be a Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Bless their hearts. I think three of them are actually married. Mm-hmm. Three. Well, yeah, very few of them are actually married. Well, it's kind of like the. Um... You know, HGTV has that home giveaway they do every year. I don't know if oh, you've ever yeah, seen it. yeah. They give away this dream house. Like yes. This. And, like, no one's able to keep the house because they can't pay the taxes. You can't mm-hmm. afford it, yes. Yeah, so, like, only, like, one person in, like, 15 years still owns the house. Wasn't that what happened with, with Oprah and the cars that a bunch of yeah. people pay, like, $2,500 or $3,000 in taxes because... She was doing such a good thing, yeah. and then all of a sudden the whole tax thing bitch you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I so that, that, that. HGT, it's I, I was it was 
pretty interesting read because you're like, oh, I'd love to win this dream house in Boulder, Colorado yeah, on the side of a mountain. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just a huge, beautiful house. And then, yeah, you get the tax bill for a $1.5 million house. Yeah. And- You're like, oh, oops, didn't realize. <laughs> you know what I mean? I always wonder about that, like, on The Price is Right or any kind of game show where people win a ridiculous amount of stuff. Like, it's one thing if you win money because then that's just taken out. But when you, like, on The Price is Right, if you win, like, the yeah. showcase showdown or whatever. You have to pay taxes on it. That, Absolutely. A lot of that stuff's, like, you know, a total of, like, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars mm-hmm. That's That's a lot to pay taxes on. <laughs> Like all these cars, trips. Yeah. I always wonder that. Yeah. And it, it is like hooray I won. Oh shit. <laughs> and, and that's why I think there is the option of taking the cash value. Oh, I wonder. For for those game shows? For, yeah. Oh. So that's a good idea. That's what I but, do. But I but it becomes considerably less. Like if, if they say it's a thirty thousand dollars showcase, then the cash value is probably like six or seven grand. So Wow, really? Yeah, because that's in, in terms of because a lot of it's promotional mm-hmm. stuff oh, like right. that. That's true. A lot of it's all like donated, so mm-hmm. promotional giveaway. Yeah, mm. random things. I think. So yeah, but I mean, <laughs> hey, still a seven hundred thousand dollars payday isn't bad. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I guess we should get on to the to the main show. Good. <laughs> sure. Cool.